you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, if you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 949. Uh, for context, I will begin in verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9. I'll read through verse 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So the word of God instructs us as God's children, not only of how we are to think, but also how we are to live. And specifically in Romans chapter 12, Paul, the apostle, has been teaching those in Rome concerning God's love, the, the how love is to function as a child of God. Romans 12 begins with an appeal to us based upon the mercies of God to present our whole selves, all that we are, as living sacrifices on this earth to live lives that are holy and acceptable to God. In our spiritual worship, we are to hum- humbly serve using our gifts within the body of Christ. What does this look like? How is this love to function? In Romans 12, we learn that we are to love one another with brotherly affection. We are to outdo one another in showing honor. We are not to be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. We are to serve the Lord, rejoice in hope. We are to be patient in tribulations, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints. And as a new believer, these things rush upon us and we have excitement, we have energy, and and we strive to do those things. The longer that we walk with the Lord, the more trials that we encounter, the more loss of loved ones, hardships that we, we have come our way. Our focus needs to be upon Christ. Because these things can slip from us. Paul continues in today's verses 
discussing our Christian virtues or our proper behavior as God's children, in which God's children are to exhibit. The mercies of God are the foundation for this love. And if we are to pursue a holy life for the Lord, this means pursuing Christ. It means renewing our minds. It means feasting on the truth of what God has said. Because every local church is to be a gospel-displaying community, and God's Word informs us of the how. We have a duty as believers. We have a duty to believers. And more specifically, in today's verses, we also learn that we also have a duty to unbelievers. Romans 12, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So the first thing we see is live in harmony with one another or be of the same mind toward one another. So this speaks to deep affection for one another, not showing favoritism. That our lives are to be absent of the sin of partiality. In James 2, beginning in verse 1, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Loving only a few people in a church or those of a certain status is sinful and extremely dangerous. Loving only a specific clique is not our charge as Christians. Indeed, we don't see that from our Savior. Our affections are to be given to every member of the body of Christ as well as to those outside the church. We are to show no partiality as we serve the Lord. We cherish everyone within the body of Christ as well as love unbelievers. No matter a person's God-given gift or worldly status, rich or poor, all are important and we are to give our affections to all, not having an attitude of personal favoritism. Practically speaking, I know that there are people that we better connect with than others. We're more comfortable around some than we are other people. But our Christian love is to be that of reaching out. For there is no partiality with God. Romans 2 verse 11. We are to have the same mind with everyone when it comes to love according to the Lord. Romans 12 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Don't set your mind on self. Associate with the lowly. The cast down, those low in status, the humble. Paul addressed this to the church in Philippi. Philippians 2, he said, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. 
but each of you. Look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. How foundational is that? Like, we can do this because we are in Christ. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of the servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Christ came humbly, though he was a king. Christ served, though he should have been served. James Montgomery Boyce put it this way, we need to stop thinking of other people as being beneath us and instead come to regard them as people for everlasting fellowship with God. If we are prideful in our own thinking, we will not live humble lives before the Lord. I mean, who among us should be ignored? When we walk out the doors, who should we ignore when we leave? We are to count others more significant than ourselves, no matter their dress, their accent, their color, their attitude, or their language. 1 Corinthians 1, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Christians have nothing to boast about except Christ. That means we, out of all the people in the world, should be the most humble people desiring all to be saved. Rich or poor, God looks at the heart. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. 12.16 Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That's number three. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Humility of mind requires us realizing that there is no one beneath us. No matter your education, no matter who poured into you, we are not so great a child of God that we have the right to ignore others. We're not so great a child of God that we have the right to think of ourselves as better than others. There is not one way in which you or I are superior to another human. And if you think that you are, beware because you are prideful and arrogant. Leon Morris said, the person who is wise in his own eyes is rarely so in the eyes of other people. If you are wise in your own eyes, realize that this is not the way of Christ. We are never to walk into a room and see ourselves as the wisest person in the room. Thinking if they would only do this or they would only do that. We are never to look upon the landscape and say, I am the wisest person in the land. Our opinions are opinions while truth is truth. We're to live in harmony with one another, and this requires right thinking of ourselves as well as right thinking of others. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Be humble. 
And this just, just does not affect your relationship with others. If you're coming before the Lord, considering yourself as wise, be prepared for the Lord to humble you. Romans 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. That's, that's naturally what we want to do, right? Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Never pay back evil for evil. If evil has been done to us, our response should not be that of the same. A wise parent teaches this to their children. A child who gets hit often responds by hitting the other person back. Adults who are wronged often respond by wronging the person in return. But Christians are to behave differently. Our thinking and behavior is not to follow that of the world. And we don't have to follow the the path of the world because we are in Christ. We're to have a godly mind that is set on honoring Christ. Matthew 7, verse 12, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We're to honor Christ in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. Let us never pay back evil for evil. Romans 12, verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So that's number five. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. Display to all the fruit of your salvation, of you belonging to Christ. Lead the way in doing what is right. 1 Peter 3, 8, 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for this is you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. 1 Thessalonians 5, as we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. You know, a part of doing what is honorable in the sight of all is also remembering how patient God is with you. When you realize how patient God is with you, that allows you to be patient with other people and you can do what is honorable in the sight of all because you remember who you were when Christ saved you and how patient He is now with you even in your sanctification. We're to do what is honorable. Those who are saved by God's grace are different on the inside. They are spiritually alive. God's children will bear fruit for the Lord. As the gospel is to be visibly seen in a marriage, it is also to be visibly seen in a local church. I'm not saying just image the gospel and when necessary use words. This is not truth. I'm declaring that the gospel that we proclaim as God's children should be bearing fruit in our lives for others to see so that our life agrees with our proclamation. Proclamation and visible fruit that glorifies the Lord, that is to be the life of the Christian. Because in Romans 12, Paul basically, as some people have said, Romans 12 begins the so what? You're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So what? Here's the theology. Here's what I've been saying. God has not failed. God will not fail. 
What is the so what? The so what is we are living sacrifices for the Lord. We should be doing what is honorable in the sight of all. Proclamation and visible fruit that glorifies the Lord is to be the life of the Christian. Leon Morris says here that the apostle is calling out those in Rome to live out the implications of the gospel. And the gospel does have implications. And I think for far too long, we have forgotten this. And it's not just something that we say that we believe. It's not just something that we say that we have memorized and we do. And we go to and we listen to and we remind ourselves of. The gospel has implications for how we live. We should be doing what is honorable in the sight of all. Romans 12, verse 18, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all, so far as it depends on you. Peace is a two-way street. In our relationship with others, we are to make sure we are doing our part as peacemakers. Philippians 4, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, there is a direct connection between our relationship with God, us talking to the Lord, and the peace that we have with other people. Because when we are spending time as a child of God, with our maker, talking to him, praying about these things, giving him everything that is going on in our life. It's amazing that the Lord works peace coming through us. Only after you're giving all these supplications, all these thanksgivings, all these requests made known to the Lord, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. John MacArthur said, short of compromising God's truth and standards, we should be willing to go to great lengths to build peaceful bridges to those who hate us and harm us. Let us keep in mind that our enemies, they don't have Christ. And they need Christ. We're to be at peace with all men as far as it depends on us. Peace is something that we are to work for and strive for with other people. We have peace with God, but not everybody around us has peace with God. Sometimes peace is not possible between two parties, and the result is separation. A word of wisdom here. We need to examine ourselves with the word of God and make sure that in every circumstance we are not being overly critical. There is a fine line between critical and a discerning spirit. We must not live at war with one another when we could be living at peace because we are full of pride. Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
So number seven, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. If you have been wronged, leave it to God. Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine. And recompense for the time when their foot shall slip. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And their doom comes swiftly. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Nahum 1-2. Yahweh is a jealous and avenging God. Yahweh is avenging and wrathful. Yahweh takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth is not to be our thinking or way of life. The words, it's payback time. They're getting what they deserve. I need to get even. Revenge. This is not the mark of a follower of Christ. As Christians, we don't get what we deserve. For we have received the mercies of God. Shouldn't that play a role in how we live? Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. At the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Not on things that are on earth. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these The wrath of God is coming. Don't forget, the wrath of God is coming. He will deal with all of that. Revenge is God's doing. It's not ours. In Romans 2, 6-11, Paul taught us that God will take care of everything. Those who do good as well as those who do evil. Paul said, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing, seeking for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. We're to never avenge ourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. God's wrath and fury is coming. All that has gone wrong, God will make right. As we have a reminder in the Old Testament of the flood, a reminder of what is to come, we have a fire. We leave it to the wrath of God. We are to trust the love of God just as much as we are to trust His promised wrath. They are both promises from the Lord. We're to live by faith in God as his righteous children. Every careless word and deed, every evil that has been committed, we leave it to the wrath of God. And this doesn't mean that we want the wrath of God to come upon them. As a Christian, we desire and long for them to be saved. Romans 12, 20. It's not enough for us just to stand back and not respond with evil. Paul gets even closer to the heart of the matter. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will reap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
So number eight is overcome evil with good. Paul brings forth wisdom that is found in Proverbs. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and Yahweh will reward you. It's not enough to not respond with evil as God's children. We are to image Christ. It's not that I've done my duty because I haven't done A. We are also to do B. We must not be overcome by evil, but we must not fight evil with evil. That's a natural reaction. We are called to respond by imitating Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. When our enemy is hungry, we are to feed him. If he is thirsty, we are to give him something to drink. Evil is not how we respond to evil. We are not to be overcome by evil, but respond to evil with good. Loving actions toward our enemy. Now, these words don't mean that we offer food and water to our enemy, but we respond to evil with good. It does mean if they ask, we are to serve. Responding with good brings shame upon our enemy, as well as future punishment if repentance does not take place. By doing good, it could lead to conviction and repentance and salvation. Remember, part of being a living sacrifice is not only cherishing the gospel ourselves, but doing things in which point to what Christ has done. Those who are not born again, they are evil. They are in need of Christ. They are in need of forgiveness. While those who are born again, they have been given a new heart. Think upon that for a moment. If you have been saved, you have a new heart and that gift is from God. And with this new heart, the Christian is to live for the Lord. Luke 6 tells us, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. The saved are the ones who have been set aside by the Lord and for the Lord. Therefore, if we are to faithfully serve Him, it is to be without reservations, overcoming evil with good. These marks of a true Christian that Paul has discussed, they flow only from our life in Christ. Being a living sacrifice is talking about not only your union with Christ, your intimacy, your devotion, your getting alone with the Lord to faithfully serve Him. There is no serving the Lord if you don't meet with Him. There is no serving the Lord if you're not devoted to His Word, abiding in His Word. Jesus said, in John 8, 30, 30, 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When our mind is filled with the mercy of God that he has granted to us, because this is the foundation that Paul is building upon, the mercies of God. When we look upon this life, when we look upon the life and the ministry of our Savior on this earth, his wonderful and perfect example, 
being of the same mind toward one another, associating with the lowly, not being wise in our own estimation, not paying back evil for evil, doing what is honorable, not avenging yourself, but leaving it to the wrath of God and overcoming evil with good. This happens by coming before our Savior, delighting in Him, meeting with Him, and submitting to His Holy Word. The reason that so many of us, we struggle, is not because God is not willing. The reason that so many of us struggle to be a living sacrifice is we think so little and pray so little about the mercies of God. We must meet with the Lord. Godly behavior comes to those in Christ when one longs to please Him from their heart for only God can overcome evil. We cannot overcome evil in our own strength. We cannot overcome evil by our own power, our own tying the bootstraps, so to speak. We are to overcome evil with good. That's only possible in Christ. Christ is 100% righteous. Christ is 100% good. Christ is 100% holy, 100% pure. We are to image him in this dark and decaying world. That is not only a command by God that we live for him, it's also a great privilege. Because we have this new heart, we can do that. Christians are to love fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and Christians are to love their enemies. So let us behave properly as God's children. And may our behavior, along with the proclamation of the gospel, draw lost souls to our beautiful Savior. Because remember, he began these words in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It is your spiritual worship to use your gifts. It is your spiritual worship to love brothers and sisters in Christ. It is your spiritual worship to love your enemies. May the Lord grant this in our life by his grace, by his power, and may we as God's children be devoted to being a living sacrifice for him. Father, I thank you for your holy word. Lord, we cannot do anything that is listed outside of Christ. We needed Christ for justification. We need Christ for our sanctification. And using our gifts, we need Christ. And loving other people in this church, we need Christ. And loving our enemies, we need Christ. <clears throat> Father, my prayer is that we would not just say the words that we need Christ. Our life would match it. We would intimately pursue you above all things. And all things in our life compared to pursuing you would look as rubbish. We would take the words to live as Christ and to die as gain, as Paul used, as 
our life. If we are to live, that is fruitful labor for you. Not to earn anything, because you've already accomplished it all. We were dead in our sin, and you saved us by your grace. Help us to be living sacrifices. Help us to confess our sins. Reveal to us our sins, our affections, our desires that are not holy and right and good. And Father, those who are lost, draw them to you. Convict them of their sin. Show them that the way to heaven is Christ. Without repentance and belief in Christ, in Christ alone, that they are not saved. Lord, sometimes we struggle so much to just love one another in this room. We can't even imagine what it is to love our enemies. Remind us of your great patience with us. Your great mercies in which this living sacrifice is being built upon. Forgive us where we have failed you. And may we not doubt your promises. May we not give excuse after excuse in which we can't do this but just say, Lord, I can do this because you have done it already. It's in Christ's wonderful name we pray and ask these things. Amen.